Welcome everyone to the premiere episode of the Really Big Fan Pod. I am your host, Chizuk, and I'm joined by my co-host, Acronym. Hello, hello. And uh, we are, this is our, our first episode of uh, a podcast we've been talking about for months, pretty much since the previous podcast that I was doing, Nerd Radio, ended. We were talking about doing something like this, the kind of broadening the horizons a little bit, and uh, here we are. How you, how you feeling this morning? Doing pretty good. I'm really excited to to kick this off. I, we kept going like, okay, so when are we starting? When are we starting? Yeah. When are we starting? And it's just like, we just need to start it or else it's never going to start. So yeah. here we are. We need to get the car rolling <laughs> and like let it fall apart a few times and put it back together. Both a little bit on the perfectionist side of wanting things to be perfect. So it's a, it's hard to hit launch, but as a my buddy from Jim at Remote Start Podcast says, you just have to start it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Right. Just get it started. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, this, uh, like I said before we started, there'll probably be some growing pains in these first couple episodes, but the basic structure, uh, I believe, is there. And that is uh, what we'll go into right now. It's the Really Big Fan Podcast. It's a podcast about stuff that we and people that we uh, talk to on the show are really big fans about. So, obviously... All the old nerd radio stuff we'll still talk about, professional wrestling and video games and comic books, what's on Netflix or Disney Plus, that kind of thing. But then uh, we're going to dive into a whole bunch of stuff, whether it's like music or uh, cosplay or uh, even sports. I'd really love to get uh, my my uh, buddy at the comic store who's been a Lions fan the whole time, his entire life. I'd love to sit down with him and talk about like, what is that experience like? <laughs> And I'm definitely going to be diving into this as far as he said, music wise, being that I'm a music journalist, there's going to be a couple different things that I want to bring to the podcast as well, like some music updates. But when we talk to people about being really big fans, we also are opening it up to people who are really into music. We've got some fans that are like really into you, too. And we want to understand why. (laughs) You know, there's obviously everyone's a really big fan of at least one particular band, but then there's people who are big fans of a genre. Exactly. Uh, and that'll be interesting to talk about as well. So here's what you can expect from a really big fan podcast. Uh, we're going to kick the show off. We're going to talk about some headlines going on in the world of uh, all the stuff that we're interested in and uh, discuss that. Then we'll get into an interview segment where we'll talk about one particular topic. Uh, and then we'll wrap the show up by letting you know where you can follow us and support us online, as well as what is the thing this particular week that's kind of giving us a hit of, uh, is it serotonin? Yeah, the serotonin boost. The serotonin boost. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, let's get started. Let's hit those headlines. All right, so let's start at the top. We've got a couple of trailers that hit in the last couple of days for uh, Marvel properties that we're super excited about. I know Sunday night we were sitting on the couch and they dropped the Secret Invasion trailer. It's the next Disney Plus show that's going to have uh, Sam Jackson as Nick Fury, Colby Smothers as uh, Maria Hill, and Amelia Clark as a character that uh, is yet to be named. Yeah, that's really interesting that they don't have her name listed on her IMDb of what she is playing, but she's in it. Yeah, so makes, we'll see. Makes me think it's one of those characters that, like, if we knew the name, then we would immediately have context of, like, oh, that means something. Yep, start digging. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it'll be it'll be very fascinating. What did, what did you think of the trailer? I'm excited. It's going to be interesting to see how a Marvel property 
affairs without having um, a a super involved. Yeah. Because Nick Fury is not exactly a super. He, no. He's involved with supers. Then you've got, you know, some of the other team, the S.H.I.E.L.D. team or the defunct S.H.I.E.L.D. team at this right. point uh, being involved in it. And I have a feeling this will probably lead into Thunderbolts, especially with uh, um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character being part of that and her being sort of the new Nick Fury, but with nefarious things going on. So I assume that she's probably going to pop up at some point, even though she's not in the trailer, I don't think. No, she wasn't. But, but I mean, she's kind of been. She's like you said. She's the new Nick Fury. She's showing up in like after credit sequences and different shows to kind of put together the Thunderbolts. Yeah. So well, it's kind of one of those things where I feel like it's going to be a jumping off point to something, and it'll be interesting to see how people react to that because of the fact that you know if you don't have a soup in there, yeah. I'm like using the boys talk, but if you don't have a soup in there. That's going to derail some people from being interested, but as Marvel has shown, most of these things connect somehow. So sure. you're going to want to watch it regardless. Yeah, and the, like the the secret invasion obviously will not follow the secret invasion crossover storyline that happened almost ten years ago now in the comic books. Um, but that did have a lot of uh, super people in it that were were scrolls. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how it translates. It also feels like uh, this might be the last Sam Jackson Marvel thing. He says uh, like one more thing, like he says something outside to the effect of one more, and so I think of, it is like voice acting for what if or something like that. I think I think this might be the last Sam Jackson live action uh, Marvel thing. I mean, you don't think he'll pop up in Captain Marvel because he's an integral character to the Captain Marvel story. Yeah, I don't know. So it might be one of those like that movie's really packed though. Yeah. It's got Miss Marvel in it, it's got Photon in it, it's a, like there's going to be a lot of... Well, yeah, but it seems like still like because he was such a main character in the other one, if he doesn't at least have a cameo, I would be shocked. Right. Now, when does Secret Invasion come out? Uh, I think it's June. When does Miss Marvel come out? Or The Marvelous? August? Okay. Fall? Okay. So, so one's the one... Like... Okay. I thought maybe one maybe came before the other, but... Yeah. That that shot my idea to shit. Well, and and they've been <laughs> you know shuffling things around for the last couple of years too. So I'm sure they've had to kind of pump the brakes on making things directly connected. Yeah. Because you know suddenly when you suddenly start shuffling around your um, release schedule, then it's like okay, well we can't we can't have this scene in this thing because then it blows this thing that was supposed to be released after it. Well, that's what's going to make it kind of messy, because if you, if you listen to the the former podcast, you know that I'm very adamant that the Marvel stuff works the best when it's connected. And so for me, when it doesn't connect, I'm kind of like, what is the point of this? Yeah, but at the same time, like, if you, if you over-connect stuff, that's, true. That, that's when it gets super messy. Yeah. It's, it's better to leave it a little bit vague, but then kind of connect it. And speaking of connecting, the other thing that dropped last night was the Spider-Verse trailer. Yeah, yeah, that looked really good as well. Yeah, did you watch it? Yeah. So my question with that is, and I, I think I've asked you this before, but like, twenty ninety nine is evil. No, or is he is he like coded to be a gray area villain? Because he seems very aggressive. He does. He seems kind of anti heroish, like say the Punisher or Venom in, yeah. in this particular movie. But I feel like once we see the movie, we will see that uh, you can even see in the trailer like he's got a reason. Yeah. To be that way. Uh, not to, you know, spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen the trailer, but lots of Easter eggs to uh, of different spider people, blink and you'll miss it kind of stuff. And there's even a reference to uh, Tom Holland. 
Yes, there is. There's a reference to all three, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see. I was really happy that the music bed of the trailer was Blackway's What's Up Danger. Yeah. Like, because being that that was part of the first soundtrack, I thought that that would get abandoned, but I feel like it's become so integral to that character. They're just like, that's Miles' theme song now is the What's Up Danger. Every time I hear that song, too, I see him doing that inverted jump off the building. I'm like, oh, my God. God, it's the best part. Of, it's the best part of the movie. I mean, it's a great movie. I've got chills. Yeah, my, my hair is standing up on my arms. <laughs> That's just because you turned the air conditioning on because it's warm. I did. It's really toasty in here. We have lights on in here, and we had to lock the cats out of the office. Right. So one is screaming. If you can hear him in the distant audio, it's because he's very upset we're both in here. <laughs> uh, something else I wanted to bring up. The Dungeons and Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves, came out this past weekend and uh, was number one. At the box office, $38.5 million topped John Wick. Yeah, I heard that people were really happy about that. People not so happy about the Super Mario movie. Yeah, which comes out, I think, this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somebody said, it's uh, no good. (laughs) That was the caption I saw in one of the critics' things. So we'll see if it actually is good. I'm sure we'll go see it at some point. I can't can't imagine it's, like, terrible. Yeah, it can't be the worst movie ever. Just looking at the trailers, like, there's a cart racing part there's donkey kong in it like i feel like it's jed black isn't it it can't be that bad i feel like people that are gonna <laughs> dog on it had way too high of expectations of and like how do you have high like super expectations of like the movie about super mario brothers man my expectations were shot the minute they cast chris pratt a lot of people so i'm like you know and it's not to say i think um uh, our friend of the show al beck at one point said like well, that's a double-edged sword because if you cast someone that is of Italian descent, yeah, like, like that, you have that, but then it's not the guy that did the voice before who's still functioning and active. Right. Like, what? Why wouldn't you do that? So, like, no matter what they had done, it probably wouldn't have gone well. I just wouldn't have gone with Chris Pratt, but you know, they should have just got uh, uh, it was an Al Pacino. Who was the other guy? Robert De Niro. This is Robert De Niro. (laughs) No, now now I just want Pedro Pascal. Yeah, Pedro Pascal. I want to feel big. That's all the things. If you have not watched his SNL Mario spoof, you need to. It is amazing. It was really good. Really good. Uh, Switching over to gaming, you're the one that turned me on to this, but next week uh, the Nintendo online service for uh, their Nintendo 64 emulator gets Pokemon Stadium on April 12th, which is kind of a mixed bag because that was the game on the Nintendo 64 that came with the thing that you could hook to the controller and then put your Pokemon Game Boy game in and use those Pokemon and obviously there's no way to emulate that so you're just going to have to use whatever stock Pokemon are in the game but hey Pokemon Stadium that's pretty cool I still think it'll be awesome I wish that they would somehow be able to integrate it with your Nintendo account to where you could pull your either your Pokemon Go or your Pokemon Unite Pokemon into that maybe that that'll be wild maybe that'll be the next update like huge thing because they introduced the, the Game Boy and the Game Boy Advance like if they figure out a way to eventually stick the original Pokemon game on the Game Boy app and make it connective to the nintendo 64 app yeah translate that over maybe that i don't know that's that's a pipe dream yeah that's plus effect that's the thing that's weird about pokemon games too is that all the old pokemon games are hyper expensive in the secondary market yep and it's the kind of thing they're hyper expensive because nintendo doesn't like re-release or reissue those things but i don't understand like 
why why wouldn't you like why do you care that the secondary market is that good because nintendo's not making any money on that like it's all third party it's all me and you exchanging money and right and goods that they already made money on three two decades ago i'm sure it's probably a, a let's move forward not stay in the past situation I guess. because like they're going to want to push things that are on the nintendo switch right and they're going to want to push more games that are for that for sure they're going to add more things to the service to incentivize people to get on that service you know there's a lot of different avenues for that instead of just like you know selling stuff back and forth or having a market for reissues and stuff like that because i mean let's face it if they were going to be doing that they'd probably really be pushing the wii hard because they never made their money from that that's fair yeah well i mean when the switch started they did put out a lot of games that were on the wii u first yeah and just kind of redid them so well and then for good reason (laughs) speaking of pokemon 2 this weekend if you've got pokemon scarlet and uh and what's the other one out of lavender i don't we don't have it (laughs) yeah we don't have it (laughs) they're doing a perfect ditto raid uh, starting april 7th my birthday from 7 p.m. until April 9th all weekend, there's a, a raid where you can get yourself a Ditto who's level 75 and has all his stats are rated best. So they're perfect for breeding to get the best stats on whatever other Pokemon you want. I didn't know you could breed Dittos. You can, and the weird part is uh, Dittos are, do not have a sex. Yeah, it's they insane. With, they breed with everything. That's weird. It's very strange. Dittos are pansexual. Got it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> I am a ditto. See, I'm not a gremlin. I'm a ditto. Oh, my God. I don't know. You don't, like, transform into the opposing Pokemon like a ditto. So. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last thing I wanted to uh, present to you is a story I saw this morning on Kotaku. A collector of Funko Pops traded some rare Funko Pops for over 150 grand in Cadillacs. So he got more than one? He had, yes. So he had uh, these Funkos that are called Freddy Venom. I don't understand, because uh, I'm not a Funko Pops, I don't understand what Freddy, but it's like this Freddy character uh, in a Venom costume, and there were apparently only 24 or 25 of these made, so they're one of like the holy grails of Funko Pop. Right. And he traded, um, let me look through the story here, I think he traded four of them? For two Cadillac Escalates. So then you flip the Cadillacs, right? After that? I don't know. <laughs> I would assume that's how you do that. You keep one, you flip. Them. So on a on a Facebook trading group, he was looking to unload six more Freddy Venoms for around $240,000 or two Cadillac Escalates. <laughs> and somebody legitimately Somebody legitimately gave him two Cadillac Escalates. Apparently before this, he did... 2.5 frenums for a $70,000 GMC Yukon. I don't know, maybe he's just a car collector. He's just like... Yeah, but a GMC Yukon is really not that special. I, I can understand maybe Lee Cadillacs. Right. But, like, I would still be flipping every car at that point. <laughs> like, so, yeah. So... This is the Szechuan sauce for the car situation, which... I know that person, by the way. Oh, the Szechuan I, sauce guy? They, no, I know the person that th- traded the car. For the Szechuan. Yes. <laughs> ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the headlines. We're going to take a little break here, and then we're going to come back with the interview segment. Uh, today's guest is me. Yeah. going to interview me about something I'm very passionate about, Transformers. So stay tuned. The Really Big Fan Podcast returns. 
back to the Really Big Fan Podcast. I'm Chizuk, your host, along with your second host, your co-host, your, uh, your, I don't, I don't have any good. Gremlin. <laughs> gremlin. Acronym. And, uh, so this is, this is our interview segment of the Really Big Fan Podcast, where we talk to somebody about, uh, something they're a really big fan about. And we figured for the first couple episodes, we just interview each other. That'd be cool. So for the first episode, I will, uh, hand you the, the reins. And you can take it away. All right. Well, we will get started here with, first of all, tell us when did you start? What was your first exposure to Transformers? I the guess. Transformers? Uh, probably the cartoon. Probably when I was growing up, uh, when the cartoon was on uh, the, the... We were just talking the other night about how, like, used to be here in, in, in Michigan where we are. Like, it was Channel 20 and Channel 50 would play syndicated cartoons like in the mornings before you went to school and then in the afternoons when you got home from school Monday through Friday and the Transformers cartoon was one of those ones they played in the afternoon at like three or four in the afternoon Monday through Friday and I uh, probably saw that and saw the cars turning into robots and jets turning into robots and punching each other in the face and was like well that's neat I want to see more about that and then obviously the toys were everywhere and exploded but uh, what really, really sunk its teeth into me was the comic books, which is funny because I wasn't really a comic book kid until my teenage years. But uh, I remember getting a pack of comics at Toys R Us that was the first three issues of Transformers. And I took those everywhere with me and read them probably a million times and like drew the Transformers from the comics and stuff. And that was uh, that was and then for the longest time. Uh, whenever mom would take me to like 7-Eleven or even eventually a comic book store. It was so I could get Transformers comics. I wasn't even looking at other stuff until probably like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Just Transformers all the way. So which three characters did you first gravitate toward? Um, So the f first dude I ever had as a toy was Clip Jumper. And he was essentially, he transforms exactly the same as Bumblebee, but he's a different character in a different car and he's like he's red bumblebee's yellow and i don't remember if i specifically asked for cliff jumper or if mom got me cliff jumper and i'd wanted bumblebee but um but yeah cliff jumper was my first dude and ironically enough so the way the toys work they look like little penny racers the original dudes and um the original small ones like bumblebee and cliff jumper and there was a third guy that was made in the Japanese line over in Japan that wasn't supposed to be part of the line. And he was like, he was, the car looked like the clip jumper car, but he was yellow. And uh, eventually fans named him Bumper. He was actually the first guy I got. Oh. It was like on a, I think it was on a cliff jumper card, but he was yellow. So maybe mom did get him thinking that's Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah, probably. And I had Bumper. For the longest time and had no idea why cliff my clip jumper was yellow eventually i got a uh, a cassette that had like an audio drama transformers audio drama that came with the actual cliff jumper oh nice clip jumper, so i actually <laughs> had him um what were my what were my first three transformers i had cliff jumper i think i had another little guy that was called wind charger because he looked like a uh a trans am my, my dad owned a white trans am he was red though so i i, I think he was and then who would have been probably Soundwave, the cassette player. Oh, I love that one. That yeah, one's cool. Because because I I I've always been a huge fan of the ones that turn into like real life stuff. So like Megatron turns into a gun, and Soundwave is a cassette player kind of stuff. I, there was a Perceptor turned into a uh, microscope, 
that was kind of cool. So I always really like those guys. So when you look at this stuff now, and it's been obviously many years and forever, not not trying to make you feel old, <laughs> like, but um, what is the draw for all of you guys? Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to use the word middle aged. Yes, wanting to still participate in this Transformers thing now because now they market the toys more sort so to the adults. Yes, that's a big part of it is that they understand that uh, we are now. That they're the audience they have that has the most money are the people that grew up on this stuff. So if they can find ways to make new versions of characters we fell in love with when we were children, um, we will spend money on that kind of thing. To the point where there's the uh, guy from the the movie, the cartoon movie Unicron, the big planet that eats planets kind of thing. I think he's cool. A couple of years ago, they made a Unicron that's literally about three feet tall i think or, or maybe even bigger and was like six hundred dollars and they had to like um basically uh like make it so that if enough people said i will buy one of those and paid for it in advance they would make it yeah kind of thing i, I, I can't crowdsource they had to crowdsource it yes and yes. they've tried doing that with other properties that the same company owns like gi joe or he-man and they haven't had as much success as they had with like Hey, if we give you a giant Transformer for almost $1,000, are you in? And Transformers, you know, the Transformers fans with money are nuts. Yes. So they're like, not only am I in, I'll take three. Yeah. And then they'll try and flip the other two. Right, right. That is a big thing, too, um, to maybe bring to the viewer's attention is that there are actual, like, groups in which people will buy, sell, and trade yeah. these Transformers things. How many groups of those do you know of that exist? It's a little bit like the Funko Pops we were talking about and the other thing where, like, it's its, its own secondary market. Um, and it's another one of those things that uh, I don't understand that why when Hasbro puts out a figure, like last year they put out a figure that was a Walmart exclusive and they made him one per case. And he was like 30 bucks, but the only way to get one was to pay somebody 60 or $90 online that got to the store way before you did and snapped up all of them because they were one per case. And I don't understand why when Hasbro sees that, like they're not making secondary market money. So why don't they just like make more of them? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting that they'll only pack like one per case or something like that. And it's also interesting. I'm sure it happens with other toys. I'm not exactly like a, a collector of anything in particular. Yeah. Largely so. for the longest time, it was the girls. If there was a girl action figure, like in G.I. Joe, if there was mm -hmm. a girl or if, you know, in Transformers, there's one or two. There would be one or two like girl Transformers. They were always one per case. And it was always because, well, this is a boy's toy and we're Boy, not going to sell a lot of these. Yeah, yeah. But, but that, it's not like you're getting that with, like, an RC. It's right. not like it's RC is the only one that's in that case. Yeah, exactly. But, but it's also interesting to me, and, like, like I said, where I was kind of ramping up to the the whole thing with, like, buying and collecting toys or figurines or stuff like that. Like, how many toys or figurines do you know of that have store exclusives? Because I'm not really, like, I know Funko does. Some of them, certain ones that Yeah, do. some of them will, too. It's It's become a larger thing now that toy stores largely have gone away. It's become a larger thing for, like, Walmart, Target, um, Walgreens, surprisingly, will have exclusives from Hasbro. Whether it's a G.I. Joe character or a Transformers character, there's always, like, one Walgreens exclusive every year. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's fascinating, and I think uh, the other part of it that you know, in in addition to just being the nostalgia of like this is a thing I liked when I was a kid, is the puzzle aspect of it. Like the I have to take this thing and then turn it into something else, and like you have to flip this and move this, and and you know, almost like a Rubik's cube to make him to take this truck and turn it into Optimus Prime. And there's something about that that scratches a part of the brain that kind of stims you a little bit of like, you know, I'll, I'll sit there, I've got a couple on my desk, that I'll just sit there and transform from one mode to another and then stand up. Yeah, I've seen you do that during uh, the uh, Limit Break Radio. The Super Universe. Where he'll just sit there and he's clicking them away as he's as he's commentating and yelling over Will <laughs> and stuff like that. Right. So. No, it's, it's really part of the fun. It's, uh, you know, I might not uh, bash him together like a little kid, like bash him together in car mode or like make him fight or something like that, but just like setting them all up and being like, man, look at all those guys. And that's what I said back in 2000 when they started making what they call the classics line, which is now Generations, where they were making new molds of the original characters. Is like when I was a kid, it was hard to talk mom into buying six of the same guy because they were different colors and they were all different characters. But now I'm an adult with my own money. So I'll buy all six of those jets because I know every one of their names and I know each of their characteristics. I'll throw this out here now. We have an eBay store with ones that he's trying to unload. It's true. So, if you go into our uh, com slash real big fan pod, we've got a revolving garage sale happening. Yes, and our nonstop garage sale. Definitely <laughs> figures in there. So I want to transition over to, or should I say transform, yes. over to um, the movie aspect. So what was your reaction before the movie franchise came out with the live actions? How did you react to that? Did you have any reservations about it? Were you kind of not excited and you were like, well, let me figure this out. Let me see if it's good. I think it was, it's kind of like when Marvel started putting their first movies out and we didn't we didn't have an expectation yet yep. of what to have. So every one of them, you know, whether we liked them more than the others or not, we were like, how cool is it that we're getting this? And that's that's always been my thought process, even when we get like a bad X-Men movie or something, is, is like, how cool is it that I lived long enough to see the technology hit a point where an actual Camaro turns into Bumblebee? <laughs> even if the designs look kind of weird, like... I can't tell you, we were we were talking about getting chills, talking about what's up danger. Like, the first time Optimus transforms in that first movie and Peter Cullen's voice comes out of him mm. in the theater, booming through the speakers, just like, I still get chills thinking about it. It's just like, yes, Optimus Prime is real <laughs> kind of thing. And I think as a kid, that was part of the appeal, too, is that, like, you know how when your parents are driving you somewhere and you, like, put your hand out the window and do the thing or you'd imagine the guy jumping on all the houses up like that. It's this kind of thing where like once they introduce to a young kid the idea that a car can turn into a robot, well now every machine you look at, you start trying to figure out like, okay, there's where the legs would flip around and there's where the arms would be and that's where the head is kind of thing. And it it's it's fun. Now with the with the movies to the cartoons, was there any crossover other than with the robots in their personalities and designs? Was there any crossover between the Sandwich Wiki story and anything else that was in the cartoons? Because, like, I saw that 86 thing in pieces. I didn't yeah. I, I didn't see most of it. Well, like, I so, walked in the room and went, hey, Unicron's kind of cool, and walked back out. So. so in the original cartoons, 
his name was Sam Whitakey, okay. and he was supposed to be like the human character that was the friend of the Transformers, him and his dad. Yes. Um, when the comic books came out, when the Marvel did the comic books, Sam Witwicky was their character. That way they had their version that they could control. Um, and his dad was a uh, mechanic, and he ends up finding Bumblebee and taking him after he gets hurt in a in a battle and can't transform from his VW bug mode to his dad to fix. And his dad gets under the hood and is like, this isn't a car. I've never seen anything like this. And eventually fixes him up and then they befriend the Transformers and they go on their adventures. So it was neat as a fan primarily of the old Marvel comics when his name is Sam Witwicky to be like, ah, that's a thing that I know kind of thing. And in uh, later movies, you could see where Michael Bay was pulling from specific episodes of the cartoon. Gotcha. Uh, specific plot lines, like bringing Cybertron to Earth in, in one of the later movies is like directly from one of the first cartoons. So is the Bumblebee movie with Haley Steinfeld more accurate to the Bumblebee story? Uh, in that sense. Yeah. She's the mechanic. For sure. But she brings him back yeah and that that the the way that that movie rolls that plot uh feels much more lifted specifically from those old comics gotcha. that, that i had read did michael bay direct that one too no i didn't think so no that had a different director but they're saying the next one the the one with the beasts in it is in that continuity oh, okay that should be interesting yeah i mean you were interested in the beginning of that movie in particular because it showed a live action version of yes. cybertron falling yeah correct? yeah they're just seeing uh just seeing like five minutes of like the the war on the cybertron and part of that too is the fact that when they translated transformers to video games the most successful ones and the ones i spent the most money or, or time on were all set on cybertron during the war Gotcha. So, like, that, that once again kind of scratches the itch of, like, oh, that was my favorite video game, and now I'm getting to see in in movie, live action. It's funny because as a kid, the appeal is cars, like any machine around you, could be a Transformer turned into a robot. But then after you've been into it for long enough, you start to drift away from, like, yeah, it's cool that they come to Earth and they, they're in disguise and stuff like that, but, like, I want to see their planet. I want to see what that's all about. And that's where the later comics from, like, maybe uh, the last, like, 10, 20 years uh, that IDW did, like, really focused on, like, what if the Autobots win the war? What happens next? And they all go back to Cybertron, and then they had two different comics. One was focusing on, like the religion of transform of, of this alien species that can transform itself and another one was uh focusing on like the politics does the religion part go into the thing with the all spark and those those primes yeah and like the matrix mm -hmm. and primes supposed to have in his in his chest the the matrix of leadership that uh, every every autobot leader is supposed to have and that kind of thing and and them um, they were searching for what was called the knights of cybertron that were supposed to be the original Transformers that went that left planet and went off into the universe to like, you know, start I, new worlds to colonize. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> that makes sense. So then I'll, I'll go this way: is that um, you had talked about before the the difference between the Matrix of Leadership? Sure. Um, you said that Harag got that in another. In the in the animated movie, the the eighty six movie with Unicron, a uh, hot rod ends up with the Matrix of Leadership and transforms into Rodimus Prime. Gotcha. So he goes from being like this cool, 
car with like a fin and fire on the sides and stuff like that into like a Winnebago because <laughs> every prime must be a truck apparently right now with that have they they've never had hot rod in the live actions correct they, they did have them in uh one of the later ones so like they did the first three with Shia LaBeouf and then they brought in Mark uh, Wahlberg Mark Wahlberg for the fourth one and then the fifth one as well and hot rod is in the fifth one very briefly he is um What's the guy that was in Silence of the Lambs? Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. He was Anthony Hopkins' car. Gotcha. And, okay. and, and like was like his butler because that's one of the things that's... So he's kind of a Jarvis for yes. Anthony Hopkins? That's one of the things that's always kind of weird about the, the live action movies is that like they'll give you the name of a guy, but it's not necessarily the same character. Well, it's like the same thing with RC where you had the... It, when they you translate were, it to... There were like three of them and they were they were all motorcycles. Blitz and motorcycles and that was all you saw. Like you didn't get a personality out of RC. Exactly, exactly. And people are, are kind of already losing their minds because in the Bumblebee movie you get to see a character called Wheeljack and he looks like Wheeljack looked like in the old cartoon and there's a character in the new movie who has these giant spectacles and turns into like a, a VW van mm-hmm. and everyone thinks he's supposed to be Wheeljack gotcha and like Wheeljack never looked like that in fact one movie earlier he looked exactly like we remember him well and there was the other gripe too that you had before when we were we rewatched the second one yeah. And there was the old World War II plane. Yeah, Jetfire. And I love that character as the live action character, and it frustrates you. It does, because Jetfire was super cool in the cartoons and the comics, the original Jetfire. Like, he was a white and red jet. He was actually, the original toy was a Robotech toy mm-hmm. that, um, the, so the original toy line is fascinating, too, because... It's essentially over in Japan, they started making these things that would turn into robots, whether it was a jet or a gun or of the, and there was all these different companies making all these different things that turned into robots and Hasbro got a hold of them and licensed like a dozen different lines of these things and called them all transformers and then handed them to Marvel and said, make us a reason why these things all go together. Uh, because Marvel a, a year earlier had done that with when they relaunched G.I. Joe from being the the like action figures that were like this big, like the Mego figures to the ones that were in the 80s that were like Star Wars guys. Because they'd seen that um, Kenner had had so much success with Star Wars figures selling the hand over fist Star Wars figures are like, we need to do that with G.I. Joe. So they did that. They they like, we're going to come out with here's 12 there are six or 12 dudes, G.I. Joe dudes. Here's their names. Give us backstory, give us a comic book, give us a reason, give us an enemy, kind of for them to fight kind of thing. And Marvel built all of that for them. And they're like, okay, here's Transformers. What is it and why? Well, you had that, um, when we were going through some of the ones that you do have, they've got, um, you had this other car that was made by a third party. Yeah. It was that blue, I think it was like bluish black or something. So what is, what is the background on that and how are they able to make other things right. that are supposed to be Transformers, but are really? It's been a weird gray area for the last, you know, I'd say like 20 years where they can, for for one thing, when they made Optimus Prime in the classics line for the first time, he didn't come with a trailer. Yeah. So originally people were like, well, we can make a trailer, 
And we don't, as long as we don't say it's Optimus Prime's trailer, everyone knows what Optimus Prime's trailer looks like. As long as we don't put an Autobot symbol on it, then like we can sell these and, and make sure that they go with the figure. And it was the same thing with Hot Rod. The first Hot Rod, I had a trailer that had a bunch of pieces you could put on top of him. So he turned into Rodimus Prime. Um, and that, and that was a thing like I spent maybe a hundred dollars on this third party, uh, trailer. So my hot rod could be Rodimus Prime. And then a couple of years ago, they finally gave me a cartoon accurate Rodimus Prime from Hasbro. And I'm like, okay, I'll, you finally get, got around to it. I'll take that guy and, and sell off my third party trailer. I'll offload that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if somebody, uh, somebody will buy that off me. So yeah, it is a very strange, it, it's funny because I've got certain ones, I've still got certain ones that are, uh, you know, just third party versions of some of my favorite characters like Cliff Jumper and, um, uh, as long as they don't call him Cliff Jumper, they get away with it. Hey, that works. You know, it's like Mountain Hopper or something. <laughs> well, it's different because there's there's so many different um, things that are out there that people try to bootleg, and it's oh, yeah. hard to see. And like things that come to mind was friend of the show uh, Tim has a collection of random bootleg things. He really does. Also into Transformers. But he's got a, I, I bought him a bootleg CM Punk that I found, which was just a John Cena, a John but Cena somebody Punk repainted Pop. it. Yep. Um, he's got like a really weird Mario that does not look correct. Yes. And it's very uncomfortable. It's like Uncanny Valley, but with Mario. Yep. So do you feel like some of the releases that they have with the Transformers, do they look really spot on or are there so many differences that they're not really flagged and that's all that's always the fascinating thing is that uh especially when the comics well, that i was talking about that were delving into like the religion and the uh the politics of transformers the designs in those comics are not exactly the designs of any specific toy that we had come to uh come to recognize so a lot of third-party companies would make versions of say starscream that look like his idw comic book version as opposed to there was a point in the idw comic book where megatron was like a stealth jet instead of a gun and it took hasbro about five years to get a stealth jet megatron out within that time frame there were like a dozen third-party stealth jet megatrons <laughs> that you could get and the the really funny thing is that at one point it fed back into it itself in that um, there was a character that hadn't been in the comics in a long time, and he was on the cover of one of the comics, and the version that was on the cover was one of the third-party versions. <laughs> <laughs> because Hasbro had not given them a, like, hey, we're going to make this guy, and this is what he's going to look like. So they're like, well, we want Huffer in the book, but they haven't made a Huffer in probably a decade and a half, so just do that one. It looks good. <laughs> the, the artist just drew that one, and I don't... I don't know that they got into trouble for it or anything, but... That's pretty funny, though. Yeah. And then, then I'm going to boil this one down to the last question because we've been going for about 20 minutes yeah. in this segment. I don't know if that's... that's I don't the... know where our level is yet. Yeah. But um, last question, where did they lose you with the Michael Bay movies? Where did they lose Yes. Or have they lost you? Because we're still going to see them regardless. That's, but like... that's the thing is that, like, I, I I think I said when the Super Bowl ad came out that they're going to have to do a lot of work to get, make me pay $7 at the, or more at the theater to go and see this new movie. But I feel like by the time it hits, I'll be ready to spend the money to go to the theater and see it. But my, my hopes aren't very high. My hopes are, are, are pretty, pretty low. And part of that is that um, after the first movie, like the second movie... 
really change some stuff like Jetfire. Jetfire, not specifically, but like there's the construction vehicles that all turn into the one big dude, Devastator. And they used like the wrecking balls as his testicles. And that was <laughs> unnecessary. Like Devastator doesn't have testicles. Um, and there was another character that I was kind of fan of called that was called Skids, and he was paired up with Mudflap to be the ice cream car, and they're both like very racist stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And it was just like eh, that that was where it started to be like I don't know. And then the third movie came out, and I don't even remember what stuff in that that I didn't like. But I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. And so, for context, a little bit here is that I I only know a bit about movies, and then what I've absorbed living with right. this guy. Sometimes for... I have the cartoons out in the background. Exactly. Like, oh, that looks cool. Or, that? or listening to you and Tim talk about stuff. For sure. They'll sometimes play robots together. They do not <laughs> they do not bash them together. We do not, but They're... sometimes it's, it's so funny. <laughs> so my friend Tim, who will be on the show eventually, yeah. and I'm sure we'll talk about Transformers. It'll be a second part to this uh, particular conversation. Um, but Tim will get new robots. He spends more on them than I do, but he'll get new robots and then just pack them up and bring them over. And we'll just sit on the floor in the living room and I'll transform robots that I've never gotten to transform before and then show him some of my guys that he may not have have bought and it's just it's it's, it's funny because we're i'm in my 40s he's in his 30s and we're not like doing voices and like right, right, making up stories or anything like that we're just like this is fun look how this transforms you want to transform mine here you go exactly yeah look yeah how cool the car mode is so like i absorb some things i hear them talking about yeah but when it comes to it it's like my my knowledge base is like the first couple Transformers movie and Bumblebee. And then we tried to watch the Mark Wahlberg versions, and those are atrocious. Yeah, we watched the first Mark Wahlberg one, and in the second one we saw the end of uh, while it was at the hospital yeah, a month or so yeah, ago. That was Flicking through it, it was on sci-fi. I'm like, oh, well, look at this. Well, we watched the first one when you had already hit, like, I think we watched that one the day that you had the first panic attack, yeah. too, and that was one of those things where we're like, Maybe we shouldn't be watching this. This sucks. This is depressing, you know. But uh, you know, when I watch the the movies and stuff like that, I feel like I got lost right after the Patrick Dempsey one because he had that's the, new, the third. One, that's I the think. third one. They're in Chicago. He's got the new girlfriend. Yep. That they have no explanation of where Michaela went. Really. Nope. It's just all of a sudden he's got this even hotter girlfriend than before. Yeah. And you're like, what happened here? And there's just a lot of loss of continuity. When they did do the Mark Wahlberg versions, I did see some of the set and have photos of those. That might be something I can release on the the Instagram, the Instagram account. So you guys might that. find that interesting. But yeah. it's interesting to see how it touches so many different people because with like the cars and stuff like that, Chevy dealerships had Camaros with the racing stripe again yep. with the yellow. And people were buying them because they wanted a Bumblebee car. And you yep. do see semis on the road that are painted as Optimus Prime. We saw one and he like freaked out. Oh my God, it's Optimus. Amazing. And then we followed him. Amazing. <laughs> um, and and in, it brings so much joy to the point of like even when you go to Universal Studios, they have a Transformers section. You can go and talk to Megatron and you yeah. can stand in line and meet Optimus Prime and Bumblebee which I did for him and made him cry. That's what you need to post on the <laughs> social media. <laughs> the video you got for me. 
I stood in line time. for almost a half hour to talk to Optimus Prime and Bumblebee, yep. and they made it worth my while. It was so. <laughs> I will share that as well. But it's it's interesting to see something that has this much longevity for, and it's I say that knowing that comic books are out here. And you have people that have been fans of certain bands for a while. But to be a fan of something that is so intricate as that, that has so much of a cult following still, is really interesting overall. It'll be interesting to me as I get older to see what the generations after me, like say your generation or the generation after you, uh, what cultural touchstones, what cartoons, you know, are they going to have such a big nostalgia for that when somebody of that age group has the money to make a movie or to do a thing like what is going to result what are they going to is avatar the last airbender 20 years from now going to get like a live action series or like a a, a netflix series done by somebody who grew up watching avatar the last airbender well considering that they already had like you know they've done um uh, the cowboy bebop remake right. and stuff like that even though it didn't necessarily do the best right it still happened it's back to what you said before like i'm alive at a time where there, where there was live action cowboy bebop or years we were really really into nope yeah. and seeing the akira slide done so... in live action is one of the biggest cinematic things said oh, like cool. it, it, so geeky if you know what it is yeah. but i had to go i did make you watch akira so you could see the original yes yes exactly like i had heard about him wanting to do that for so many years and i knew of it but i'd never physically seen it so to see those things and you and now you have like the the newer cartoons of transformers yep. danny pewdie as as bumblebee, bumblebee yep. which is hilarious uh things like that i feel like it's going to continue for years but it's interesting to see somebody as a day one of fan essentially go through their entire life and still have the love and affinity for it. Yeah. And that, with that being said, there are definitely like eras of Transformers that I have very little affinity for. Like the all the ones with turned into beasts that are going to be in this new movie. That's that's like after my time, and I wasn't interested in cars that didn't turn in or robots that didn't turn into cars. Yes, <laughs> like a, and then eventually, like in the early two thousands, they went back to turning into cars, and I was like. As cartoony for me, I'm in my 20s now, or I'm in my 30s, and like this ain't, this ain't, this is for kids and good. It they're as long as we can continue to foster in children the idea that that car could turn into a big alien robot and punch another robot in the face, then you'll be happy. I'm on board. <laughs> Keep it alive. <laughs> All right, awesome. So you wanted to introduce a a new segment. I do. This... So so I've got a segment. That I'd like to to introduce right here at the at the beginning of of really big fan pod, and it's called "What did we learn?" <laughs> so I've got just three questions to ask you about Transformers. Um, they may have been covered while we were talking. They may not have been covered while we were talking. So you're just gonna have to give me your best guess. We just have to see if I know it or not. Just see if you know. Just see what have you learned. Um. So, uh, the first question. I think this might be kind of a softball. Uh, is what was Transformers first? Was it a cartoon? Was it a comic? Was it a toy line? What? Where did Transformers start? I think you said that it started as a toy first, and then they built it around the toy. That is correct. Which, if you wouldn't have said that today, I wouldn't have known that. Right. That that, that definitely, I would have guessed the cartoon first. Right. Yeah. 
Nice job. Nice job. Okay. All right. uh, the second one is a true-false question. So uh, you're going to have to uh, probably make your best guess here. They once made transforming toys that went from robot to rock. False. That is actually true. What? So while Hasbro was making Transformers, another, I think it might have been Mattel, was making GoBots. And GoBots had a line of GoBots called Rock Lords that turned into rocks. This is why GoBots are the Kmart Transformers. <laughs> literally a pet rock. It's a, it's a rock. It's a rock lord. No, Lord. All right. <laughs> I've got one more for you. All right. And this is, uh, this is so I'm going to give you four names of four Transformers. Okay. One of them is not a real Transformer. Okay. And you have to figure out which one it is. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Bombshell. Soundwave. Power Wash. Cliff Jumper. One of these things is not like the other. Repeat one more time. Bombshell, Soundwave, Power Wash, Cliff Jumper. I'm going between Bombshell and Power Wash, but I'm not sure which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That does sound... <laughs> yeah. Cat Black in the chat trying to give you a, give you no. help. Power Wash does sound jank, but it sounds jank enough that they might have actually done it. Right. Uh, I still, I feel like, yeah, like, I feel like Power Wash has to be it, but Bombshell's my close. Pa again. Power Wash is not real. Okay, cool, cool. Power Wash is, <laughs> uh, is jank. I could totally see them making a Power Wash, though, and it turns into a squirt gun. That's what I was going to say. Like, what would Power Wash be? <laughs> he would be a squirt gun. A squirt gun, that would be And they cool. would actually put a little bit in there to where you could fill it with just a teeny bit of water so you could squirt someone with it. Yeah, Bombshell is an Insecticon. Uh, uh, Soundwave is the cassette player. Cliff Jumper, obviously, yeah. my my favorite. Uh, I remember the two. The, I remembered Soundwave and Cliff Jumper, and I'm like, I know it's not those two. Oh, I knew those were the easy ones. Bombshell, I couldn't remember if I had heard of before or not, and then I was just I, I, like, Power, yeah, Power Wash. Wash. So insane. Yeah. Hopefully, you, that's what you would guess, and that's what you did. So it's... you were uh, two for three. Woo! Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. It's rubbed off on me. Not bad at all. Much like wrestling, I can't escape it if I tried. It's true. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with our uh, our last segment where we're going to tell you what is giving us a hit of serotonin this week on the Really Big Fan Podcast. Well, thank you, really big fan of podcasts. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us there for episode. Last mornings, uh, hopefully every week on uh, on Wednesday afternoons. We're gonna try and set this all up and do it on Wednesday afternoons, and then drop the podcast on. Uh, so, so the, what what's the schedule again? So we're gonna do the recording on Wednesday, right? We're gonna drop the YouTube version on Thursday as a premiere at eight o'clock. So if you cool. want to watch this and see the emotions happening physically, and see my really cool office that I decorated, really uh, cool. you can catch it as a premiere at eight p.m. EST on our YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com/slash Really Big Fan Pod. And we will also be setting up some stuff on my site in the section. I haven't pulled it all together yet, but I'm going to make sure that the episodes are accessible 
Cool. So we're going to have those. And then the real podcast should drop Friday. Friday morning. Yeah. Is that, is that doable for you, production master? I think so. Yeah. I, I, you give me like tonight and tomorrow to piece it together. I should be able to do that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So that's what we're looking at. So we have a, a three-tiered situation where you can always catch it. And then we'll be sharing them to all of our socials. Right. So obviously, you know, find us on all of those. You can pick those up at acronymis.com slash reallybigfanpod if you need to spell my name a-c-r-o-n-y-m-i-s it's acronym is not acronymous and not acronomicon and all of the other things that people have called me <laughs> all right so this is uh this is our final segment for the uh for the episode for the week it is uh the thing that's uh, giving us a hit of serotonin this week i'll start if you don't mind this week go for it the thing that's been giving me a hit of serotonin for probably the last month or so is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I've actually been streaming it on our uh, really big fan pod Twitch stream uh, and just really digging in and having a blast. It is a huge game with so much to do. I've even, I beat the game last week and I still have, I don't know, probably in the neighborhood of like 10 hours worth of things to do without even getting downloadable content for it next. I can't imagine uh, what the new game, which comes out next month is going to be like and, and like, I'm not I'm not even looking at that game for a year because I want I need people to find the stuff and then put it online where I can just Google search what I've lost. Like, what am I supposed to do next? The stamps and everything were really big help for you. Yeah. You're going through and before the stream was happening, he was going through and stamping the maps on where all of the Korok seeds were. I keep calling them Clorox seeds, Clorox. even though I know that's not Clorox what it is. seeds. Lake needs to wash his clothes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Clorox seeds. Clorox seeds. Um, but I, I saw him doing the math. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was doing my homework. I have had to do homework on a game like this since probably World of Warcraft. <laughs> it was wild. But it was also like, thankfully, uh, I've had the time to actually do the homework. And I think that's a big reason why I've gotten to actually enjoy the game is because uh my my workload is a little bit lighter lately and i got to play it and it was it was totally it was totally worth it to the point where i started thinking about it and i shared a graphic on my facebook that had the uh, the the logos of all these games and they're like pick three no explanation and i was looking at it and i actually had to admit that like i think the legend of zelda series as a whole is very solid like i cannot remember playing a single Zelda game and not enjoying myself. So you think you had a better time with the Zelda series overall than you did the Final Fantasy series? I think so, because I can think of some... I can think of a couple of Final Fantasies that, like, were kind of stankers. You mean the one you were playing in in the bedroom? Yeah, I I gotta finish... That's 13, and I gotta finish that game. But... Sucks. (laughs) But, like... I, I don't, yeah, because I because another series that was in there was uh, Persona, and uh, Persona wouldn't exist if Final Fantasy didn't exist. But I feel like I've had a better time on the whole with the Persona series games that I've played than like I've played some great Final Fantasy. There there are a couple Final Fantasies that are still going to be the best games I've ever played ever, like the Super Nintendo ones specifically. But um. At the same time, there's also been ones that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get through this. <laughs> I can't believe this game is still going on. So yeah, Breath of the Wild, still enjoying it, still loving it. Um, great game. It, it's it's got to be. It's the game that came out when the Switch came out, 
as like the system seller, which usually you think like there's got to be a Mario game, right? Uh, but no, Zelda was the game that came out kind of with the Switch. And even, you know, seven years later, like if you own a Switch, you need to own Breath of the Wild. Dig it, I dig it. As for me, I'm going to go on the music side of things for today. And uh, before I left to go get my coffee, I brought up to Chuck, I realized as a person that really loved Nirvana, Kurt Cobain died in 1994 today and uh, didn't realize how close it was to your birthday. And he was like one of your favorites. Yep. And this has been something that's been going on with me for weeks now where my... My hyper-focuses, and we call them hyper-focuses because we're 99% sure I have ADHD at this point. Um, My hyper-focus has been 90s music in the rock genre, but also just in general. Uh, There was a podcast that he came across called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s, and he brought it up to me. Then he played me part of the Smashing Pumpkins episode while he was taking me to drop off my car. And when I got my car, I got in the car and pulled up the episode at the exact moment I missed and kept going. And that's when you know I'm really hooked on something that I went through and pulled all that effort. But for months now, I've been like adding different 90s music to playlists and and diving more into, you know, 90s rock in general and the grunge side of things. I have not heard Belly's Feed the Tree as much in my entire life as I had the last three months. <laughs> yes, yes. It's wild. I have I have two playlists um, on my Spotify account, and one of them is called the Grungy, and then the other one is called Doll Parts. And so the Grungy one has more of like the grunge esque like classics that you're going to come across, the Pearl Jams, the Nirvanas, all that stuff. And then on the Doll Parts one, it's more like Dinosaur Jr. and R.E.M. and like things that didn't necessarily like they're from the same era, but they're not as hard. They're not yeah. as, and not as cliche in the sense of like, like I'm not going to hear local H when there's 20 Pearl Jam songs, right. you know, and you even said so yourself when you heard part of that playlist, you're like, you were always hearing like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all that. And you weren't hearing like some of the other stuff that's on there, but I do have things in there from like bad season and like stuff like that that you just don't always catch so for me that's been kind of my itch lately is is just grunge and 90s rock because i feel like right now there's this there's a resurgence going on with i keep calling it the emolution uh because all of my emo bands are coming back into style and so people are now really invested in you know hearing new fallout boy hearing new my chemical romance and everything else and even though those are very much part of my age as a millennial there was a good period of time when i was in high school where like somebody gave me the nirvana box set yeah and i went through all of it and got really obsessed and as i was I had that conversation with you about Kurt dying and then I left and I was listening to Nirvana and I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, would I be as invested in Nirvana had I not been introduced with it as like the lead singer is dead and it was a very sad reason and and everything else. And you see these um, resurgences on streaming services of people that like they die and immediately their streams go up. Right. Not to bring the stream down and make you feel sad or anything, but no, like it's the same thing with record sales. Yeah. It's very interesting to me how those things come through and would we be celebrating 
Kurt Cobain in his death if it hadn't been so tragic? And when would the music be as elevated as it is? So these are just kind of things that I, I poke around with in my own little nerd brain. But overall, I've introduced myself into like some music that I wasn't really open to before, wasn't super listening to before. I mean, like, I actually know lyrics to a local H song other than right. Bound for the Floor Now. That's crazy to me. Right. Or, or you know, like, Dinosaur Jr. is is definitely a a a pull from the '90s that like they didn't it, it, there was one hit, yep. maybe two. So to to start listening to it is to it's it's when I was in high school. So yeah. like I'm all I'm like this is great. And this I'm is cool much this. better than my hair metal phase, right? Much better. Yes, uh, much you can better. blame James Gunn for giving me the Peacemaker it's soundtrack because I was torturing him with it for probably two months. Right. So now we're on to the grunge stuff and. I'm learning more about different things. And obviously, like I say, the the podcast, if you want to check out a good podcast that's not us, <laughs> check out 60 Songs That Explain the 90s yes. from Rob Harvilla. Really good. It talks about not just, you know, rock music, but it goes across all genres. There was a great episode on DMX um, and talking about all the stuff that had gone on with him. Uh, you have funny episodes talking about like Guns and Roses, yeah. uh, November Rain. That one, if you want to listen to anything and laugh, that would be the one I would suggest. So, so is that the that podcast your? I think '90s grunge and '90s music just in general. Just '90s music in general right now is really fueling my soul. Oh, so I, nice. I feel like that's where I'm at right now. Is that it's a little bit more of a broad topic, but yeah. I feel like overall, I don't know what else I'd be listening to right now. You know, I'm not really that enthusiastic about new stuff i will listen to something new when it drops to see if i like it but right. beyond that i go right back to listening to that stuff and and i feel like smashing pumpkins was kind of the gateway to that more so because i went through sure. like, a very big binge of smashing pumpkins that kind of led me to this so yeah 90s music is good was that box set your first nirvana experience no i had already had mixed cds and i had the black nirvana album bleach no, just the the Nirvana self titled. Oh yeah, the great like the greatest hits one with. Yes. Right. Okay. So I had that first. I was just thinking how wild it would be if like your first exposure to Nirvana was no, no, no. the lights out. Box. No, I I listened to eighty nine X. There's no way that could have been my first. No, not <laughs> my first exposure to Nirvana. Right. But somebody had a copy. Like somebody had gotten two of them for like, yeah. a birthday, Christmas, something or other. And they're like, well, like at that point, people weren't going to record stores as much anymore. Like Harmony House was dying at this yeah. point. So it's not like you could have gone and sold it somewhere. So, yeah, yeah, right there. So I ended up with this box set from somebody in my Spanish class and oh. and then got in an argument with said person because I was very much of the opinion that Courtney Love had something to do with that death at that time. I was one of those. Yeah. When I was still in high school, I definitely felt that, like, that shit, that's shady. I feel that's like shady. that's probably internalized misogyny at this point. I just, that we all kind of blamed Courtney for that. And well, I and it's part, of, it's part of something that's, like, such a tragedy like that, too. Like, you want there to be a reason. You want there to be an answer. And the older we get, the more we realize there isn't. Yeah, especially with both of us. I mean, obviously, this, this podcast is stemming from us having more space and time because we both had some mental health challenges in the past and sure. now we're trying to do better for ourselves and straighten some of that out and that that means you know finding time for the things that matter and that's what we're doing here overall so i feel like you know that's part of the reason why this podcast is existing too not that 
close it out on a weird note, but well, I feel like this is existing because we want to celebrate things that are good yeah, and not always be consumed. A lot of the stuff that's going on online right now and everything else is really hard to swallow and there's a lot of sadness and a lot of hate and a lot of other things and we want to bring out some of the things that are positive and the things that are good. So I feel like that that's where we're going with this overall. And that's kind of why we didn't bring up WrestleMania at all because night one was great. <laughs> that's so much. Yep. I, I feel like WrestleMania really brought us to a space where we realized, like, we got tricked again. We were really, really pumped, and we got pushed up, and we got what we wanted with Sammy and Kevin. It's, it's really unfortunate because we had so good a time Saturday night. Uh-huh. Saturday night was amazing. Sunday was so not what it was what we had expected for years, <laughs> but had not, you know, not wanted. And yep. then Monday was just a part in church. Exactly. So we we weren't going to talk about that too much today, but it definitely is something that'll come up. I'm sure it in will the future with uh, a as, wrestling person. Yeah, as the as the as the weeks go by, I'm sure we'll talk about wrestling. I'm sure you know they just uh, sold WWE to Endeavor, uh, which also owns the UFC. So uh, it's going to be if you thought last year as a wrestling fan was wild news wise, I think it's only going to get wilder. Yeah. I think this year's only going to be crazier. We'll definitely see what happens there. I have a feeling that's maybe that should be our other segment. It's like we have our serotonin and then we have the fart church segment. Fart church segment. Yeah, like this didn't work. This didn't work this week. WrestleMania did not work this week. (laughs) Well, with that being said, I want to invite you guys to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Where else can you find us? TikTok. TikTok. Um, Yeah. Uh, It's all at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> at Really Big Fan Pod. That's where you can find us on Twitch as well. We like to stream uh, games on this channel as well as do the podcast on Wednesday uh, afternoons. And you can find us over on Patreon yes. at Really Big Fan Pod. And that is important because uh, that is uh, where if you can support this uh, endeavor, we can do it for a long, long time. We've got a couple people already that have contributed. And just a little bit helps. If you can even only contribute a dollar a month, that would be great for us. You never know how much that will help uh, even just to, you know, take care of some of the things that we have to purchase, whether that be, you know, adding better graphics and whatnot and cameras and stuff like that. You know, whatever, uh, whatever we need in order to make this show the show that not only we want to do, but you want to hear. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Uh, we really appreciate uh, Cat Black being in the chat for our first uh, our Woo-hoo! first stream on Twitch, and we really appreciate you listening right now for uh, downloading the podcast. We hope you'll come back next week for the really big fan pod. I bet you are super annoyed with the fact that uh, Stacy got me this wine glass that has a Ouija board on it. Yeah, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that at all. No Ouija boards in this house. It's my one hard rule. I don't think I can summon a demon from a cup. You better not. You do realize that for the longest time I had the 
alphabet on the wall for like stranger things and that's essentially a ouija board yeah and if those lights had started blinking in weird fashions i tore that mother down <laughs> no ouija boards in this house there's no there are no good endings to stories with ouija boards okay well okay why why do you feel that though because nobody use nobody communicates with grandma with a Ouija board and then gets like ghost breakfast for the rest of their lives. Like that's not that people, every story with a Ouija board, they, they talk to the afterlife. They always find a demon instead of who they're looking for. And then it's just chaos from that point on. They're haunted and somebody gets possessed and people die. And it's, it's a horror movie. I don't want to live a horror movie. I honestly think that if I tried to summon my grandma, she would just appear with a box of chocolate and some cigarettes. Yeah, and then she wouldn't leave. Because <laughs> the afterlife, if you're just, if she's got a box of chocolates and cigarettes and then she came from the afterlife, if you called your grandma from the afterlife and the afterlife was great, she wouldn't take your call. That's true. She'd just be like, I'm busy. That's true. You'll see when you get here. But if she shows up, that means the afterlife is boring AF. And she ain't going back if it's boring or awful. I mean, honestly, I just think that now I'm more concerned about, like, if, if she did show up and told me the afterlife was bad. Like, if the afterlife is also bad, as well as the real life. Right. I don't want it. Well, yeah. That's this nice. really went downhill. <laughs> got, I, I, you know what? I feel dark. like, yeah, I feel like we should not do that. It got dark real fast, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs>